Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. This is a podcast from Minute Media. After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale. Let's wrap it up. A crazy amount of stuff. I'm Alex. In the dance of death, you have to be careful who your partner is. When I dance, for instance, everyone's like, whoa, I'd rather be dead than be out there with that guy. (laughs) I'm Justin. (laughs) I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Season 5, Episode 17, Chapter 93. Yikes. Dance of Death. Now, I'll mention before we get into it, this is written by Devin Turner. It's directed by none other than Natalie Bolt, who plays Penelope Blossom. And fingers crossed she directed at least part of it from inside some walls somewhere. You know, just watching the monitors. Got to believe that happened. Got to believe that was going on. But she killed it. They both killed it. They did an amazing job with this episode. Steven Spielberg directed all of E.T. from inside of a wall. Oh, really? Little known fact. Huh. That's a fun one. That's a, that's great a fun, tradition. I was about to say a funner, which is not. That's a funner. <laughs> hey, we, got a, we got a funner on our hands. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do a quick bit of recap, but then I want to talk about this episode because this was a wild time. How long been that? Oh, we should God. talk about it. I guess, yeah. you know, let's do you want take to talk a break about Riverdale on our podcast? <laughs> let's take a break from our usual content and talk about Riverdale. You know, <laughs> okay. yeah, the episode good. is worth it. <laughs> so much stuff going into this one. But the big things you need to know are there are two ongoing mysteries. Jughead has been following the mystery of the Mothmen, so-called aliens that seem to be invading the town of Riverdale for a very long time. There was a maple-soaked alien that was given to him and Tabitha Tate by Nana Rose back in the day. It disappeared. We didn't know how. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, Betty has been investigating the mystery of the Lonely Highway that sees uh, she has assumed, and assumed correctly as it turns out, that there are a bunch of murderous truckers along the highway all working together to kill young girls on the highway, kidnap them and murder them, including potentially her sister, Polly Cooper, which kicked off this whole thing and the main reason that she has been tracking them down. Now, Tabitha has been working with both of them on and off to help them in their various mysteries. Meanwhile, 
<clears throat> excuse me, on the other side of town, Hiram Lodge has been after the town's palladium, a very oh, rich boy. metal that is buried under the town. <laughs> In order to get ahead of him, Cheryl Blossom and Archie have teamed up to mine the Blossom family mines and get the palladium out of there, along with his army buddy, Eric, his uncle Frank, Kevin Keller, a couple of other people, Fangs, I believe, is there as a miner as well. And it turns out, lots of other miners by the end of the a episode. A lot of miners. A lot, a lot of miners. miners. So it's not just them solo on the team, but they're working to get the Palladium out of working for Cheryl, uh, the other rich person in town. Uh, <coughs> also important to mention that Archie was seeing the ghosts of his mm. ex-squad mates from his time in the army. He seemed to have exercised those ghosts. When they got back into regular clothes, which is how you know that ghosts have been exercised. But yeah, as when we ghosts find out, change their clothes, <laughs> something's up. Well, it's nice to say, take a moment, and they were like, you thought we were gone, but we had to come back because you're super stressed out. So here we are again. Yeah. You yeah. know you've truly busted a ghost when they're wearing, like, old Navy performance fleeces or whatever those soldiers were wearing <laughs> in the last episode. That's what they did in the Ghostbusters movie, right? They took them shopping at uh, readily affordable chain stores. Yeah, uh, they put that Stave Puff Marshmallow Man in some sweet jeans from Aeropostale. <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing that's been going on with Archie is he has put his relationship with Veronica on a break because she's married to a guy named Chadwick, who is an absolute jerk, has taken all of her money, ruined their finances, but has also been working closely with Hiram, Veronica's father, who, of course, has it out for Archie because he has romanced his own his daughter, his only daughter, for far too long and tried to kill him several times. He's the, unkillable. He, Archie is unkillable. Also, Hiram, surprisingly unkillable. Also, yeah. most of these characters, let's be honest, unkillable, except for two that we'll get to by the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, and last oh, but certainly man. not least, Cheryl Blossom has been building up a ministry in her house, one that she co-opted from her mother, Penelope. Penelope started as a scam based on her son, Jason. But Cheryl took it over along with Kevin, turned it first into a musical theater ministry and then into a magic ministry and then started to take it very, very seriously. Uh, we also, in this episode, loop back to something that we had thought was going to happen with this ministry way back in the first half of the season, which was the first half of this year, that they're going to be praying to a wind god we loop all the way around to that by the end Turns of the Turns out she's the fifth element. Oh, uh, yes, Corbin Dallas multipass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think actually I looked this up recently and the line is actually Lilo Dallas multipass. Everybody says Corbin Dallas multipass, but that's wrong. I think she says both. Does she say both? Yes. Okay. Um, but uh, she says that line a lot in a lot of different ways um, when they're um, trying to get onto the uh, – to the, the ship where the opera singer has uh, rocks in her body. Anyway, yeah. as that we all sing. agree, Cheryl, like Pete said, is the fifth element, which, spoiler, is love. And <laughs> the last, actual last but not least, sorry, sorry to spoil the fifth element, a movie that conservatively is 30 years old. Oh, and man. let me also say, that's the least important part of the <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part while we're talking about the fifth element is the giant ball of evil that calls Gary Oldman on the phone. <laughs> yes. He's the best part of the movie. Great. Good stuff oh, across the board. Uh, last thing to talk about, though, is Tony Topaz had her baby, who is named She's Little, Little Tony, a.k.a. Little Anthony. 
Uh, and <laughs> she has decided to raise the baby or uh, decided along with Fangs to raise the baby together. Fangs used to be with Kevin. That doesn't really play into the equation here, but they're living oh. together. They're old friends uh, and they're working out together and uh, also playing into their storyline. This episode is a character named Britta, who was introduced after the time jump. She's a student at the school and she's been involved in a bunch of different things. But we find out a yes. lot more about her this episode. So, so much stuff to talk about. And and not only that, we got a lot of questions and comments and theories from all you listening out here on Instagram and Twitter. So hopefully there's so much to talk about, but hopefully we can get to a couple of them at the end of the podcast. It's this crazy episode, yeah. in an episode that did 50 things and called back threads that we've like when they were like, well, my student Lerman or whatever, I was like. What? Oh, thank God they showed a photo or a little image of him because I was like, that feels like from my youth so long ago. <laughs> this had big second to last episode vibes in this episode, which I think was purposeful. This is something that I think most of the Riverdale fans probably know, but Greg Berlanti, who's the super producer that produces Riverdale and a ton of other shows, he has this whole thing where he says, what you want to do is you don't save everything for the finale because then you don't have time to deal with the emotional fallout. Instead, yeah. figure everything out, the big mystery of the season, second to last, and then you have a whole episode to deal with the emotional fallout there, set up the next season, and then you don't have to deal with it in the next season and slow things down. I'm you- saying this was, this was most famously used by the TV show Lost, where they had a great second to last season and then really just let the last one be off. All right. Did all you right. Call- <laughs> Come on. Did you just call him a super producer? He's a super producer. Like it, you yeah. just you said it so matter of fact, like it was a title. Like you know, he is. not uh, only is he a wonderful producer, super producer. Not only does he produce a lot of shows, but he also produces all of the CW superhero shows. So, oh, Patrick. Okay. Anyway, wow. my point being, uh, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasso has been pretty upfront about how much of an impact that made on him for Riverdale. So, if you look at season one and two. And four, I think, kind of specifically, although obviously that got broken up, you can see that pattern there where the mystery wrapped up and then the next episode was left for the emotion. I think what we're getting here is a different riff on it where we're getting all the mysteries wrapped up in this episode, dealing with the emotional ramifications in the next episode. And to speculate wildly, I think the last episode of the season is going to be dealing with the big thrust of post-time jump, which is save Riverdale. So that's where I think we're going to get that emotional wrap up there, which I'm very excited about it is this this season sort of has um like an accordion uh st- structure to it like we started with we have to save riverdale and then we've done a bunch of other things all those have all tied up and we're left with only save riverdale as well by the end of it so that's exciting also the relationships are back sort of where they were at post barchi uh and i'm very curious if that will also expand back out into that yeah, we'll definitely talk or about everybody all... would just fall back in with with who they belong with. You know what I mean? Huh. Like or that's going to happen. So mm. I can't believe my ears. Are you disagreeing with me about um, uh, Barty and Bughead? <laughs> I just really I guess that plot thread has yet to be tied up on our oh, podcast. Okay. Yes, we'll talk about all of that because there is definitely a lot to talk about there. As you can imagine, the fans are definitely talking about it since the episode aired. But I, I just wanted to say broad strokes. I know we mentioned this a couple of times. I thought this episode was great. I thought this great was episode. so well done. Really, So well much done. good stuff going on. So many threads, so much wild stuff. Just a really good episode of Riverdale. So much was happening. It was dark. Though By the end of the episode, I was like, oh, man, I can't believe this show went all this way. 
to that level. Like we've talked about Dark Betty and she's been on this dark path. I thought she was going to come out of it. Instead, the whole show is like, nope, we're all going to settle down right next to old Betty. Yeah, let's all just snuggle up to Betty and uh, yeah. You know, just really enjoy what she is. Well, but here's a well, truly well done episode across the board. I thought everything played off each other in a great way. I mean, it here's my theory back here. to oh, the the Riverdale kind of like pace breakneck kind of action that we're used to, where there's so much happening at once you can't believe. Like some people are over here, some people are over there, and you're just like, there's too much time. There's, it's just so crazy. There, too there, much time. I, I can't. I who what? Yeah, it was, it was great. It was really exciting. I I was going to say something about the end of the episode, but I'll save it until we get there. So why don't we start walking through things? It starts off picking up uh, a classic Riverdale with the end of the last episode is Betty and Tabitha walking the lonely highway, trying to get ju- trucks and Jughead being like, and the worst is yet to come. And you're like, oh, geez, Betty oh, and Tabitha are going to be taken. Shit. And the next episode picks up and like, well, nothing for 10 days. Nothing for 10 (laughs) nights on the lonely highway. Uh, So they're fine. They have a little bit of a spat there because Betty not so suddenly thinks she should be flying solo. Doesn't appreciate the Tabitha's there. Thank goodness Tabitha was there uh, because there have been no murders, which she thinks is good. Again, Betty thinks that's bad because the serial killers are too quiet. Their need to murder is going to get built up. A little crazy how quickly uh, Betty was like, um, you know, let me tell you about the inside of a murderer's brain. Yeah. Mm. She knows that a serial killer's motto is ABM, always be murdering. (laughs) (laughs) First prize is a set of steak knives. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Oh, what a great Dr. Curdle impression you're doing. Uh, yeah. Tee it up for the first of many incredible Dr. Curdle lines this episode. Oh, man. Listen, there is not a normal phone call from Dr. Curdle the entire time. <laughs> and this one kicks off with the amazing line, I'm calling about our tugless friend. Yeah, <laughs> just truly no character on any TV show Hits as hard as Dr. Curdle did. <laughs> Whether it's an episode like this or every line is a banger. He's like, I'm a creep and I'll show you in nine different ways. Or that Josie and the Pussycats episode where he's just having a blast in his full Josie wear. So fun. I, I Not that we need to see this on TV, but every time there was like, hey, how are you doing? Good, good. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm calling about our tongue. This, nope, yeah. he just launches right into it. It's great. Yeah. But Colonel essentially wants more money. He says he's going to incinerate the body. We didn't mention this, but there was a trucker that Betty was interrogating. She found out a lot more information about what was going on, but the trucker killed himself by swallowing his own tongue. Uh, and Betty says, okay, fine. She's going to cover the expenses. Also, maybe he's drinking hot cocoa with whipped cream at the scene. Uh, my big note coming out of this scene was, was he drinking hot chocolate? Because that's a man who needs a, he needs a warm hug. He loves a comforting <laughs> hot cocoa. The end of a long day in that chilly little morgue. Oh, yeah, it's got to be cold in that morgue. Uh, then we get a scene with Cheryl and Archie, essentially there, I think, to recap exactly what's been going on with the mind stuff and remind us that wasn't just a one-off for one episode. I but do. Archie, and also uh, Archie reminding us that, hey, I- I'm still trying to save Riverdale, and Cheryl gives a little shade to it, saying, what are you doing, filling potholes? And, yeah, yeah, he's like, I'm in charge of Riverdale's infrastructure. I was like, oh. How did that feel saying out loud? Are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> if that was true, you wouldn't have time for all these shenanigans, man. That's a full time job. I bet a lot of the liberals, liberals in Riverdale are always tweeting, whoa, is it infrastructure week again at mm. Archie? You know? Yeah. What? 
That's what? the last thing a lot of people tweet before they're like murdered by uh, <laughs> the wind or something. In this, yeah, that's a very specific niche joke. Don't know anybody worry about it. I'll edit it out of the podcast later. Okay, great. Nice. So they talk about the money. They talk about the mine um, and what they're going to do there. There's also a brief bit of chime product placement going on, and then also like uh, you know. Sh- it was basically Archie being like, we need money. You're working us to the bone. She was like, fine, here's some more scraps. He was like, we'll work for you forever. It was like, come <laughs> on, Archie. Jesus. Uh, she sends him $517. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which was this uh, ep- uh, season five, episode 17. I yep. think someone, I saw someone tweet that on. I was nice. like, huh, what a weird small thing. Well, that's. Yeah. This is something that I think actually Natalie Bolt put on Instagram while she was directing the episode, if I remember correctly, that it always says the number of the episode on the cash register on Pop's counter. Oh. So, so that was probably another shout out there, uh, nice. which was fun. Cool. Uh, also, when they said chime, I was like, haha, what a fun Riverdale fake product. And then I guess actually it's a real product. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yep. Yeah. I was okay. like, what what does chime rhyme with? It's a cash app. And I was like, nope. Just a real one. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go over to Chad and Veronica, and Chad wants everything in the divorce, including the Pembroke. And we get, speaking of bangers of lines, Veronica legit, like, leveled up this episode. Everything she said. Also, we've talked about how, like, all the other characters are traumatized, but Veronica seems fine. This episode, oh, she was God. like, nope, I'm a stone-cold killer. And you didn't even know. <laughs> yes. She already don't even know. Well, she, when she said, all I need is Archie, I fully was like, uh-oh. Yeah. This uh, is, stop. Shit's going down. She The villain, villain monologue that she's doing where she gives away her plans so that other people can be like, oh, well, if all you need is Archie, we can just take that away. I know you, you really don't – you get so stressed, Pete, when Veronica tells us what she's doing. Yeah, it's just – she's just like completely fucking somebody over and then be like, the only thing I cherish in life is this. It's like stop giving them the way to destroy well, you. So here's the thing. I think we talked about this – it was the last episode, right, where Veronica um, won – with the whole palladium thing, stole palladium yeah. from Hiram and gave that monologue. And you were pretty upset about that here. I think we're double down on the idea that, and I don't mean this necessarily exactly the way that I'm saying it, but she's the new Hiram. Like Hiram has yeah. lo- the way that she lays it out to him at the end of the episode is 100% true. Now he is a clown. He has none of the power. She is the one in power. She knows what's going on and she don't- feels invincible and badass. Granted, that is a perfect time for her to be knocked down from the mountain and suffer some serious, serious fall. But at least as of this episode, she's the winner here. Like, it's not tempting fate because she has won by the end of the episode. You never win it- with Hiram. He's going to find a new way in and a new way to torture. And it just drives me nuts that she hasn't figured that out yet. It's like every time there's an evil thing. Oh, who's there? Hiram, you f- are you? Kidding me? Stop giving him your plans. Stop talking to him. Stop going to him for advice. Just cut him the fuck out. But I think, as we saw, like, she had him the whole time. He burned a photo, which means he's like, I retire from the tormenting my daughter, Veronica. That's not That's what it. that means. <laughs> that means they're know. all dead to him, and he's going to go out of his way to make their lives a living hell. Whenever I finish a project, I take a picture of it and I hold it up and I burn it and I put it down on an ashtray. And I'm like, finish that. This is a normal thing to do. 
Uh, what do you think of Hiram's nickname that's really starting to stick? Little bitch. <laughs> oh, I don't man. know about that one. <laughs> Veronica calls him a little bitch twice in this episode, yeah. I think. And then yeah. uh, Josie, uh, was it Josie's mom who did in the episode a while back? Or was it no, Joe? Josie? Josie. Josie. Josie yeah. uh, she says, I, 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 I always knew you were a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> For I, no reason. Here's the thing. I'm very split on it because the B word is one of my least favorite words in the English language, but it hits every time they use it in the show. I feel like it, it's right on the line of, are they overusing it? I think maybe, but at the same time, it still gives it that punctuation they want rhythmically in every sentence. That's a hell of a way to analyze it. It's just a funny way to refer to the villain of the show. I I think because I don't like the word and I don't like hearing the word, I definitely think about like, okay, how am I feeling about this? Because every time they say it, I laugh out loud. So I'm like, what does that say about me? You know? Exactly. You truly are the, the Hiram here. You were about to say something else, weren't you? (laughs) (laughs) I would never, I don't use that. Your that's your secret nickname that Pete and I use when you're not around. Oh no! Hey, is, is a little bitch on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we do not. No, we so do then not. we go over to Penelope. <laughs> Penelope is really digging into Kevin here. She thinks Cheryl has oh, twisted man, the ministry talk. into the cult. Very like mirror exercise of that's what she was doing. Yeah. But she's getting real wicker bad vibes off of the whole B incident, which is accurate, mind you. Exactly. Here's the thing. Penelope's not wrong here. She's like, yeah. hey, that was that whole B thing was pretty weird, right? And Kevin's like, you know, when I when I took my musical theater coat off, I was like, you're right. That is weird that she controls bees. <laughs> Kevin making some good moves this episode for himself and being like, yeah. Kevin I, being you know, like, maybe I'm, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of full up on crazy right now, but thank here's you. The, here's the thing, though. I don't like it because Kevin is finally doing something fun and interesting, and he's like, too rich for my blood. I'm like, you live in Riverdale, dude. You go, you go, you go between being a musical theater priest and a miner, mining palladium. <laughs> like, what do you do? What do you want to go back to the mine more where you're a third tier member? There's of the ghosts squad? down there. There's ghosts in the mine. Also, Cheryl is also at the mine. So uh, yeah, what's going to point? What's going to happen? Point. And she's praying even harder at the mine on a very nice little pillow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we go over to Tabitha and we loop back to something from the very beginning of the sea, uh, season. Excuse me. She gets a call from Mrs. Fields. She realizes she hasn't heard from Squeaky, oh. who's a character who used to work at Pops and left and got taken on the Lonely Highway. And that's how we get... Finally, that's the reminder that's going to come up huge later. It's like, hey, remember this character? This is going to play in. She's she's dead. Yeah, that's <laughs> yes. why we're we <laughs> FYI. Her. Do you think this is the same Mrs. Fields from the Cookies? I yeah. thought oh, yeah. I, that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, I know. I knew you did because mm-hmm. you love you, Mr. Sweet Tooth. That's mm-hmm. your public mm-hmm. nickname, mm-hmm. Mr. Sweet Tooth. <laughs> What's my private nickname again, real quick? A little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Tony comes to work then, and we get a great Tony! scene with Tony. This plot line was great, particularly in the middle of such a crazy episode to have really nuanced discussions about coming out between Tony and Fangs and Britta. Super impressive. But Tony comes to work. Britta was in a fight. She punched Tim Higgins. Was it Tim Higgins, I believe? Tim Riggins. Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. Bad move. (laughs) You don't want to punch him. Yeah. He's a big guy. Uh, He was in Battleship, Pete's favorite movie. Right, Pete? Oh, yeah. Great movie. And he's in your favorite movie as well, uh, John Carter. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> really calling ourselves out here. Yeah. So Britta uh, was getting called homophobic names, and Britta says, but the thing is, I think I actually am gay. Uh, I just don't know how to tell my parents. And Tony talks about how coming out is a process. The line she says is, only you get to decide when it's the right time for you, which I thought yeah. was really nice. That's a great line. Yeah. And then we go back. Well, Oh, Real quick ahead. on that, because I agree. I thought this was such a nice, like, breather from all the chaos of every other plotline in the episode. And having Tony back and be this sort of center, like, truly she, as much as Archie's like, I'm going to save Riverdale, Tony is Riverdale. She's the one who's at the core of the town, is sort of pressing the values of Riverdale, of, like, taking care of people, uh, doing the right thing, all that. She's sort of bearing that uh, for everyone and, and was while everyone was away doing all their stuff during the time jump. So it was great to see her. I also think in this like very honest, real story, the fact that it did cross over with the rest of the story at the end, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> but that's good. I mean, that's what yeah. Riverdale should be doing at its best. It takes these wild ideas and actually ties them together. Like seeing two plot lines cross on Riverdale. When's the last time that happened? Yeah, yeah let alone good. all of them. Yes, which is fantastic. I would. I know it's hard to do, but I wish it would happen more often because it's really satisfying when it does. Yeah. So we do go over to Hiram, who talks oh. to Chad about Archie, tells him wait, he has wait. to use the ghost gun to kill Archie, which is a what? good choice because Archie has lots of ghosts around him. So if you want to take down Archie, you're going to want to use a ghost gun. Yes, Pete? Yeah. All right. So, yeah, before we get into the whole ghost gun bits, I just wanted to say, like... They're not bits. I'm serious about this. Uh, okay. Well, you you can't say ghost gun on Riverdale. It's just there's too many... Uh, they say it. Too- they say it a lot. Yeah, they yep. do. And I really wanted him, when he reached for the gun for his hand, to go through the gun. And I remember being like, it's a ghost gun, you asshole. Psych. Uh, happy Halloween. Yeah. But also this like for a second, I really love the idea of like people coming to Hiram for relationship advice. And he's always like, you want to save your marriage? Kill Archie. Hey, you having issues? Kill Archie. Like, come on down to kill Archie's. It solves all your problems. You know, I just imagine I just imagine him having like a drawer full of 50 Archie ghost guns. He's like, here you go. What are are you up to? You're going to need a. Uh, this app was this plot line is especially triggering or ghost triggering for me because I uh, I was the guy that brought a ghost knife to a ghost gunfight. Oh, oh man, man. Oh, that's really that's, sad. That's, that's going to be a that. ghost problem right there. Yeah, it's, it's a ghost problem. Yeah, you could turn into a ghost from a problem. That's like why that. I'm a ghost uh, man. So then we go back to Kevin, who a very funny little thing is reading Wicker Bad in the school lounge. Cheryl comes in. Kevin asks questions, sort of kind of pushes her a little bit about the religion. And she says, who are we "Mm." praying to? Yeah. And she says, let me fast on it. Basically, she's going to do a juice cleanse is her idea of how she's going to do But the refill with wisdom, that just... I mean, even when Cheryl's lying right to his face, she does it in such a way where you're kind of like, all right. I, I don't you know, think she's lying. Cheryl- I think she believes all of this. And I think she – it was a sort of a graphic way to describe what a cleanse does to your body. <laughs> like once I'm all drained out, you know, from pooping and everything, and I'm going to fill up with the Holy Spirit. I was like, okay, Cheryl, we don't need – it's like an instruction booklet. And then – we go over to a big scene that kicks off a big, highly anticipated plot line that I'm sure we're going to get into in a nice, reasonable manner with no back and forth whatsoever. Tabitha talks to Jughead and Betty Tabitha's about Tabitha's like, why? why are we doing this separately? It doesn't make any sense. We get the real team together that can really solve some mysteries. And, oh, the magic, the sparks, 
the problems all started to come together because the super team is back on the case. I will say they did very effectively solve a lot of mysteries when they started working together. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, I was surprised that we there were no sparks and there was no relationship mention or even a look, I feel like, during this whole thing. And How I thought for sure there would be. fucking dare you? There wasn't. The, Can you point the, to one? Yeah. Yeah. There was a ton. Like every time ju- when he took his glasses off and started to talk about his case and broke it down and the way they were kind of like – Talking, it okay. was almost like one sentence the way they were just finishing each other's ideas. Yeah. It was sparks and magic flying back and forth. Yeah. No, I'll, I know. I'll just say it's that just moment, like right now. I, I, I agree with Pete. Sorry to break in, but I agree with Pete that moment when Jughead took out off his glasses and shook down his hair, and Betty suddenly realized he was beautiful. That was yeah. great. It was yeah, magical. It was. And the yeah. slow motion, the very mm-hmm. long slow motion. Um, I mean, it's true. You're right, Pete. Anytime I talk to a person about something, I'm definitely flirting aggressively with them. Just like right now in this podcast. I can't believe the chemistry between the three of us going right now. <laughs> the way you just took your glasses off and put them back on. I, I think that um, I think that the this is the start of it. OK, you're not immediately going to start to see the sparks. But the fact that they clicked right back in and really kind of made a difference uh, teaming up, I think that's going to go a long way. But only time will tell. Sparks are famously slow moving and um, easy to watch <laughs> slowly develop over time. Well, sometimes it takes a little, you know, a little work to get those uh, going. But, you know, there, it's the, the, it, the pieces are there. I'm going to throw something out here that I'm definitely not going to regret in any way saying out loud, but I have been thinking about for probably the past week or so and wanted to talk about Mm -hmm. on the podcast specifically about this subject. It was something I was thinking about before this episode a little bit. And I think this episode doubled down on it is I think not having to do with romance necessarily, Mm. but just the characters and the way they work together. Betty and Jughead is the spark that makes Riverdale work. And what I mean by that, again, I'm not necessarily talking about the relationship. That's almost side to it. But like we're talking about, purposefully so, the writers kept them apart all season. So the mysteries were in disarray. They couldn't solve them without each other. You get them together. And again, it's a very purposeful structural thing. 13 episodes apart, they're like, well, can't solve these mysteries. In like five minutes, they figure out exactly what's going on and they make it work. And I really do think this thing they figured out very early on about Betty and Jughead as characters off of their Archie comics, the way they were as icons, you never really put them together in the comics this way. In fact, if anything, they're often apart and Jughead is weird around Betty Putting them together and getting Lily Reinhardt and Cole Sprouse to work together and work off of each other and work opposite each other really elevates the show. They're not the only element that elevates the show. Obviously, there's lots of things that we love about it. But there's something about that surprising pairing that really worked right off from the very beginning of Riverdale. And not having that season, again, I think uh, without knowing much about the behind the scenes process, I think they made a very clear decision to be like, let's build this anticipation. Let's take them off the board, separate them. What is the show? What is the town like? What are the Fred group like without Betty and Jughead working together? And we finally see that again. Do they need to be romantically paired going forward? Not necessarily. And in fact, no. maybe not, but I don't think so. I do no, think working together is the thing they have learned 
is important to do going forward. And I think that's going to really hit the pedal to the metal going forward in these last two episodes and also going into next season. What I, what I like to where, where you started is you started with facts, but then you kind of went into justification like, Oh, should they be romantically dating? Uh, You know, but uh, uh, where you started was great. Perhaps the greatest love of all um, is between two people who, you know, distantly solve mysteries together. Romeo There's and no Juliet. Distance. Romeo there and Juliet no famously distance. was they about a, a duo who solved the mystery. Sharing <laughs> case folders, sharing ideas, uh, opening up to each other. What was, what clue over yonder window breaks? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tis the east, and oh shit, a Mothman. Uh, <laughs> I, I I still remember the f- my first uh, case that I shared with my uh, my true my true first love. Mm. Just uh, Manila folder going back and forth. Oh God. man, yeah, that's magical time. Anyways, uh, so we get that, but then it no, jumps. You, you don't say we get that because I know you're already five scenes ahead of where we actually are in yeah. the episode, Pete. We're back at Tabitha in the booth at Pops. She says, "Everyone tells me there wasn't a mystery you two could solve back in the day." And Tabitha says, "Listen, I'm Jughead. I'm going to pay you." Don't worry about it because he starts getting nervous. Get paid to solve crimes. I got paid to solve crimes, and I honestly think this kind of points to maybe what's going to happen going forward. Is Betty's not in the FBI, even if she's working with them. Jughead is just working at Pops and doesn't feel particularly happy with his wife. Uh, life, excuse me. I think there's a possibility they might open up a detective agency together. Oh yeah, out of two on the nose. Call it the blue and gold. Right. Uh, that, that's oh, wow. cool. I like that. I, I just think they can't actually their job be solving mysteries. It's too, too on the nose. I think they have All to right. solve mysteries that attack them from afar or whatever. Sure. You uh, think they so need to go into a mystery machine and then drive around and try to solve mysteries? I exactly. mean, they need a legit uh, old man Dreyfus is a Scooby Doo. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like that was <laughs> old man Dreyfus. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Good stuff. Uh, we get a little bit of the Bughead theme in the background as they agree to team up, which is very cute. Yeah, uh, and then little, Chad bit, straight up bit. tries to shoot Archie. Right, that's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, go Archie ahead. can dodge bullets. Yo, like Archie dude, fully. straight up shot. And d- Archie dives like just absolutely fucking Matrix in between bullets, and then is somehow like. Captain America picks up yes. an old timey trash bin that nobody makes anymore, but because we don't know what year Riverdale is, they still have old timey trash bins and takes them out like it's a Captain America shield. I hope that that was a ghost garbage can lid because they're <laughs> going to trace that back to Archie and he is absolutely deadly with it. Yeah. How it, many garbage can lids does he have waiting to hand out to people that are going to wreck Hiram? So. Question. Uh, I mean, I think I can figure this one out, but it was a weird little plot thing to me that Chad, who is completely incompetent, drops the gun and Veronica's like, we got the gun. You left it, Chad. But also the whole point of the ghost gun is it's an untraceable gun, right? Yeah, but well, if you but- got your fingerprints all over it, it sure. you can trace it Was he holding it, it with his bare hands? I didn't actually check. Uh, uh, the way that she I, was I like, wasn't looking at his heads, if you know what I mean. The yeah. way she talked to Veronica. Uh, yeah, eyes up here, Zalvin. <laughs> <laughs> the way that Veronica talked to him was like, you idiot, you dropped the gun. It's like Veronica's been on the, like a, a million murder things and knows better than they dropped the gun. She's it was grown up in Riverdale. She knows all yeah, about it. That's true. Plus, how, how many people in town have like a pearl handled ghost gun? Like it's clearly something he got from Hiram. <laughs> 
So Jughead breaks it all down with Betty, as Pete mentioned. We get that scene. She thinks it's a family of truckers who've been kidnapping and murdering sex workers and just other magical women. The way and he just remembers Logan Marshall Lerman, his student. Connections. It's just, oh. <laughs> well, I mean, the moment that I thought was so funny in this is Jughead just being like, uh, so, Betty, <laughs> a guy swallowed his tongue to get away from you? Could you just walk me through this one more time? I can't believe that he's just totally straight manning the insanity of her life lately. It's very fun. Yeah. So great delivery on that. And then Dr. Colonel Jr. calls in with another body's been brought in from Swedwillow Swamp, Miss Cooper. You know great. his first call anytime a body comes in is straight to Betty. Like, hey, yeah. another uh, bunch of bones we found. You want to have first <laughs> dibs on them? Uh, and it turns out it could be Polly or it could be Squeaky. They decide to get DNA testing we on both know just to make sure. Gonna be. Well, I don't think we did necessarily because we already had a fake out body early on this season. And yeah, again, but they brought up Squeaky out of nowhere to remind us and then said, hey, it could be your sister or this other random character we just brought up. I agree with you, Pete, but the way the episode ended proves that they are willing to go anywhere at any time in this show. Yeah. So then we go over to the Veronica scene we mentioned earlier. She now wants everything from Chad because you dropped the gut, idiot, check and mate, Mm -hmm. you little B word. And then we go over to an enormous (laughs) brunch spread. Penelope is going to town on a croissant. Oh, man. Big yeah. Last Supper feels going on here with Just Cheryl, Kevin, Cheryl Donna, and Penelope. Just because Cheryl is fasting, and uh, that's a classic, like, evil mom move. Just to kind of be like, oh, did you yeah. want any of this? Oh, are you fasting? I forgot. Well, you know it's hard to get pastries when you're living in a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl get- almost collapses, and then Chad goes over to Hiram, lies, tells him the gun misfired. Haram yells at him, says, Archie stole your wife. Very, very Borat delivery on that line for Mark Consuelos. Hiram tells Chad, get out of town. At that point, we get Archie about to exit to the mine. Veronica has just been waiting there the entire time, maybe hours at this point. Comes in, says she's got the divorce papers. Hi, handsome. He smiles. Oh, sex montage. Fucking on. It is on. Very intense music playing. Um, and this was, it's very funny how letter of the law they've been taking their relationship with. Like, she's like, here's the papers. Get your clothes off, redhead. I'll tell you what. I mean, this is probably part of uh, spending too much time looking at the online conversation about the show, which, you know, looks forward and speculates and everything. So I was surprised how hard Varchi came back this episode. But I thought Me it was... Too. Great. Like, just that they really stuck to it, that they made this agreement. Like, again, this kind of gets to Riverdale sort of sometimes not exactly following up on the place where people were emotionally the last time. And the fact that the last conversation Veronica and Archie had about this was, we really want to be with each other. We can't do this until you're divorced. That they followed up and they're like, second it happens, we are right back in it. We're taking bubble baths. Let's go. I thought it was really good. Like, it was a good follow up. And it's also impressive that Veronica almost died setting up that bubble bath, Mm -hmm. uh, but then didn't have any problem with getting in uh, that bubble bath with Archie later. I mean, that's impressive. That shows you how much she loves him. 
if there's one thing we learned about this episode, Veronica has uh, no problem moving on from a stressful situation. <laughs> <laughs> then, we, speaking of stressful situations, we go over to Betty, who sees Alice. Alice is heading out to the TV station oh, to do some God. news. Betty tells her she doesn't know if the body is Polly. Uh, and then back over to Cheryl, who has made a painting of Earth, Water, Fire, and Wind, and realizes the highest power is nature. Itself, that's who they're going to worship. They're going to worship Gaia, Mother Earth. Yeah. Uh, at which point, Kevin's like, "No, I'm out. Thank you. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. out. I've had enough, Cheryl. Yeah, this painting's too weird." Now, do you think this painting had clues for what's going to come in the last two episodes of this season? Because mm. there was a lot of stuff in the painting that was never touched upon. Uh, you got the red bird in the sky. I'm assuming that's Cheryl. Yeah, angel. Flaming no, no, the boat. red bird in the sky is Jason because remember she saw oh, yes, oh, yes, right, yes, right, right. a couple of the, episodes back. The flying woman. She, oh, right, because she's the angel, yeah. Yeah, yes. um, The flaming boat and then two snakes underwater. They never reference the snakes at all in the conversation hmm. they have. So it feels like there's something here. Juniper and Dagwood, good. they're the two snakes. Don't trust those kids. No, no. What it is is like you want to be thinking about it like walls to a building. That's Cheryl's mom and, and Nana behind the walls pulling the strings. I mean, the two that might actually be exactly right, possibly. Yeah, but it's a good Kevin call. is out. Penelope's hiding on the stairs watching. For a second, I thought she was going back into the walls, but she was not. I, she was in just, my mind, there, yeah. that was a wall. That wasn't stairs. I was yeah, like, was she's stairs. behind the walls. Bit of it a counts. there. It counts. Jughead has offered Logan his first edition War of the Worlds, uh, but it turns out actually it's a fifth edition, which is a very funny aside joke there. Prank. To Jughead's come and talk part. to them. And then we get a gut-wrenching scene of Alice addressing the town and saying, listen, whoever this is, oh my just God. tell me my daughter is dead. That's all I want to yeah. know. I can't keep wondering about it. Awful. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, also, a little note that I noticed during the scene, Pops serves chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, and blueberry shakes, hmm, which is weird. Is weird. Why are you Why are you hating on blueberry shakes, bro? Is it's blueberry shakes a, very, a thing? It's yeah. a very low tier shake. It's more of yeah. a s- smoothie than a shake, but you know, right. whatever. Yeah, that's fine. What would you I don't say? Know, it threw it, me a little bit. What's a don't, what don't are other shakes? Blueberry. Well, it's a weird. I agree with Alex. It's a weird shake. Uh, there are a ton of other shakes that would occupy the middle middle area. I love there. a good black and white shake. You do yeah. like a black and white shake. No, man, talk about that a lot. I would and, say make a choice. Then we go no over way. to Fangs cool. and Tony. They're talking, drinking wine. He's oh, massaging man. her feet, and they what talk a about foot rub. Oh, I yeah. loved it. Sick. And we talk about the British situation again. Apparently, British parents, uh, when Tony went over, were not great about it and said, are you sure? Do you have to be to Britta? Uh, Fangs canonically establishes that he's bi. That was kind of an open question based on some stuff that he said uh, to Kevin a couple of episodes back. Uh, but he says he's bisexual. And when he came out, his dad told him, great, you can choose. So choose being with a woman. Um And they talk also about baby Anthony, and Tony says, no matter what baby Anthony is, I'll be ecstatic, which is really wonderful. Now, uh, let's talk about this a little bit, just the fangs and Tony and Vidal, because, again, I think people were really worried when stills came out of the two of them that the show was going to put them in some sort of romantic situation. I'm of the mind that this wasn't romance, and this wasn't romantic. What do you guys think? Definitely not. I fully Uh, agree. This feels like they are co-parenting this baby, and they're... Like, hey, he, we are who we are. Let's, let's, we want to do this. And by the end of the episode, they're like, we are doing They're this. friends and, the, you know, they uh, love and support each other. But yeah, that's no. And I hope it I sticks it's with that too. I got a little worried when they established 
Fangs is bisexual and Tony was like, I'm also bisexual, establishing, hey, there's the possibility that we could date each other and be okay, potentially down the road. But I like this arrangement a lot better. I think this is interesting. You don't see it on TV a lot. A really healthy co-parenting relationship would be very cool to see and watch going forward. So, oh, yeah. Again, I, I hope they, they stick do with it. it. Yeah. And then, then Hiram, listening to a timer, he loves no, explosions. Just- how crazy and amazing of a shot was that? We're watching a counter go five, four, and you're like, what? What is happening? What is going on? And then it cuts to the mind. I was just like, holy shit, what a great way to show that, to kind of like show the evil mastermind kind of at his desk watching this plan. I thought that was such a crazy, fucked up, amazing way to do that. It was cool. And I don't know when he had time to go to Radio Shack and get a like a 1980s <laughs> bomb timer. To have. Well, it's time awful. doesn't, you know, it's all it's all very fluid yeah. on this show. So exactly. So he blew up the mine. Archie runs to find Eric, who is trapped down below. They both get trapped, but everybody else gets out. Cheryl gets a call, has a great line here. What is it, you Philistine? I'm working on my 12 commandments. Yeah. Very funny. But she immediately springs into action as well, calls Veronica uh, about the mine explosion. And then we go back to Jughead and Betty and Tabitha, who are talking to Logan. And we get some reveals here. It turns out that he was sleepwalking. He was taken somewhere, held inside something that looks like the inside of a spaceship, which is exactly what happened to Polly when she called Alice. Uh, It's the shed, as it turns out. Uh, And a Mothman freed him because he said he was taken by mistake, said never to tell anybody. So things are starting to come together, though they don't have all the clues on the table. Then we go over to Veronica, who will help the miners no matter the cost, doesn't even care. And she immediately realizes it was Hiram. We go inside the mine. Archie finds Jackson bloody and nearly dead, and Archie is going to dig them out. Uh, lots of stuff happening quickly here. Then we go over to Curdle, who ran the DNA. It turns out to be squeaky, but he also ran Betty's DNA and found a match with the trucker who bit his tongue off. He's a distant cousin of hers. Also I, weird, weird that he did some extra DNA checking, right? That's exactly what I was going to say, Pete. Like, like Curdle. He's up on the I work for Ancestry.com on the <laughs> side. <laughs> I hope you're 09. I took a sample of your DNA. I've been running tests. <laughs> I ran my DNA, and I've been dead for 10 <laughs> or 12 years. <laughs> but we do have Jughead immediately figure out exactly what's going on, because Betty points out all the Coopers are dead or accounted for. There's basically none left at this point. Uh, but Jughead says, what about the Blossoms? You guys are cousins. And they realize, wait a second, this is probably a Blossom. The more was broken into and the bodies were stolen. Uh, And so they also realized the maple alien was also stolen. So there's some sort of connection there. Tabitha leaves and says, don't worry. uh, I'll take care of stuff. I'll talk to Squeaky's family. But when it comes time to it, I want to be in on taking She wants to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So back to Hiram drinking from a very tiny glass. A tiny sip from a very tiny glass before he gets a big old crack on the Oh, head. my God. Oh, Clocked on man. That right. was unbelievable. And you want to talk about, like, old-timey, like, whatever that, like, little thing she used? Oh, man, that was crazy. Then we get to the most unbelievable part of the episode. Hiram wakes up. He's tied to a chair. And the idea that Hiram, who is jacked, could not no rip his way out of that. The, yeah, could rip his way out of that. Just burst the ropes with his pecs. Had a hard time believing that. He wow. to the point that he was sitting there. He was waiting on a, I think, a rolling chair. 
for Verona to get back. He could have rolled his way out of that office. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. The the least believable thing is uh, that Hiram can ever be trapped anywhere. Yeah, I don't don't think it could happen. But she gives this incredible speech laying out their whole history together, gives a shout out to Mrs. Burble and her estimation of them being in a dance of death, a tango de muerte. Ooh, good. Almost. (laughs) Almost. Pretty (laughs) good. And calls back to ruining her quinceanera. And then we get the line. Quinceanera. Quinceanera. Yeah, nice. Okay, I took French in high school, so it, yeah. it shows with both the that. last two things that you've said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't make me say the grandma word because I really can't do that. <laughs> oh my god, Abuelita! <laughs> Ab- Stop! No, don't don't Ab- try it. I can't Just do it. I can't walk do it. Walk away. She gives a great line: "If Archie dies, you die." You die. Yeah. Very strong. Love yeah. that. Yeah. And then back to Betty and Jughead, who were very mean to Dada Rose. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, I was like how am I on Nana Rose's side hey, here? Lay hey, up, Betty. Hey, you idiot. <laughs> Look yeah. over here. I mean, granted, she no, has lied to them Betty a bunch of times. Betty fucking being like, I don't have no time for your shit, Nana Rose, was amazing. And did the, the old fucking look at me. Look at you like oh she has just... a lazy eye, Betty. Give her a break on the no, look at no, me. No, Betty, I mean, no, granted no. that we get an insane amount of information laid out very quickly, which yeah. is that yeah. the maple alien was cousin Timothy, <laughs> which is yeah. very funny. All uh, of this Nana's but... husband, still unnamed, I believe. We don't actually know what his name is, but Nana's husband slept around so much that he had he a bunch made of the beast. He made yeah. the beast. Oh, so maybe it meant something else. Maybe he was creating monsters. Yeah. The anyway, fact that Nana Rose was like, yeah, I was just giving kids away at that point. Gave them to yeah. a family called the Starkweathers who live in the woods. And Jughead lays it out. You're saying there's a secret illegitimate clan of blossoms that have been living in the woods for two generations. And I'll tell you what, we kind of called it months ago. Yes, we did. Yeah. The hills have eyes. No, no yeah. the, the classic, like, Jughead going, wait a second. You're telling me there's blossoms. I live in the woods. Yeah. And, and what's hilarious is hearing that, I was like, it makes sense. I would buy that. I, I, I would believe that. And right. they created the Mothmen because they live in the woods and they needed to do something fun. They actually moved into the mines, which was another thing that we had speculated about, that maybe there was some sort of family living in the mines. So I'll say we called that as well. No, uh, and then they moved over to the line. Us, us, the whole us. podcast. Come on, it's a, a it's a group thing. One the thing game. we didn't chemistry is that old man Dreyfus. Dreyfus <laughs> is his first name, not his last name. Yeah. His full name is Dreyfus Starkweather, and he is the person all behind it. Uh, we go over to Cheryl, who is praying for the miners. Turns out, as we mentioned, there's a lot of them. They're clearing the rocks, but Archie can't clear the rocks fast enough. He's starting to cough. He's starting to lose it. At which point, Bingo's ghost, his squad mate who he thought he left to die, uh, but actually was okay with it, and one of the ghosts that he exercised not a gives dog. him a pet talk, and then all the ghosts help Archie clear the rocks. I thought this was cool. I thought this was a great way to use the whole ghost thing we had before and flip it to be like uh, a superpower almost uh, for Archie. And yeah. like to, to say, like, I'm just one man, he's like, you're way more than one man. I thought it was, it was so cool because it was a, metaphor for all of the ghosts he has helping in, in him. And also the fact that he has 50 jobs, it makes a lot of sense that he's more than one man. <laughs> yeah, and they the were ghosts. also like, come on, you fucking goon squad. You do crazy shit all the time. What's the difference for this? All you got to do is run, maybe move two tons of rocks. Come on, bro. You can do that. I want to see uh, Bingo did. the Friendly Ghost spinoff of Riverdale. That's what I want out well, of this. 
Justin, I disagree. He did not. As we saw, Cheryl moved the earth so that he could just walk out. We'll get there in a second. So Tony tells Betty and Jughead that Britta ran away and they realize maybe she went to the Lonely Highway and got stolen. A little bit of a logical leap there, but they turn out to be right, so it's okay. Tony wants to come with them to take down the highway killers. Fangs is not cool with it. Fangs ultimately wants to come, leaves baby Anthony with his mom. Tony's got a taser and is ready to go. Then we go over to Cheryl and Veronica. Tony's got a tase. (laughs) Then we go over to Cheryl and Veronica, a pairing that I feel like we don't see a whole lot. So it was nice to see them talking and being friends. But Cheryl takes the first aid kit, fixes up Veronica's hand. She's gotten it split and open while she's been moving some rocks. And Cheryl prays, calls on fire, wind, water, and earth. And it seems to be working. It fucking yes. worked. I don't know what you're talking about. The fire got real big. The wind started to move. So, yeah, earth moved and he walked right out. This, both this and the Archie ghost things is the closest that Riverdale has gotten to something actually supernatural. But I still think it's on the side of not supernatural. What? Yes. I think the the wind was whipping up. That's what made the fire just burst. happened to be whipping up as she's praying to it. It just happened. The fire got bigger and then just happened that Archie walked out after she opened up the fucking cave for him. I would also argue, I think in that scene, we are sort of in Cheryl's headspace and she over the course of the season has started to believe her own hype. And I think that's where we're headed in these final two episodes. The reason she believes her own hype is she was able to not get stung by the bees and then have the powers of the elements at her disposal. I think we got a believer over here. We got the new Kevin. Mm. Pete's the new Kevin. I look forward to your sparkle I, cook down at I managed uh, to not get stung by bees every day. Am I also a god, Pete? <laughs> no. Oh, no, you're not. You're then a, we get a class- little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Classic montage here of Veronica getting ready to take a bath when Chad comes in to kill her. And then we go over to Cheryl watching Archie emerge. Really emotional stuff from Cheryl Great. in these scenes, Really too. good. Just, yeah, I know. The intensity she brought here was kind of amazing. Uh, But then Chad doesn't see Veronica in the tub. We get another, I think, this time not real product placement where she calls on Pippi, her personal assistant. This felt like Siri or an Alexa. uh, What is what is the joke here? Is it just Siri, but Pippi? Because I kept it like like Alexa. Yeah, no, I know. But like, it's not. Pippi Longstocking is not a joke. I was thinking, Alex, it's like in, in a lot of people in their house have these boxes that you can ask to do stuff. And, I uh, ask a bunch of boxes to do stuff, and they never do anything. They just continue to be cardboard. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> ask them to be cardboard. See what happens. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll try Maybe that Maybe you got to get more in touch with the elements. So Veronica to continued to be an absolute insane badass this episode. Unbelievable, this move here. And also Tur- Chadwick cannot handle a gun. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Turns off the lights. Pumps and he hates the loud music. <laughs> and... Does the classic mirror trick. He shoots the mirror version of Veronica, which gives her enough time to knock the gun out of the hand. Uh, and as Smither enters, she shoots Chad dead. Twice in the chest. Twice, Twice in the Later. chest. And then gets a phone call. Double takes tap. the phone call. Takes the call. Well, she is from the Archie news. Some hot Archie yeah. news. I think that my favorite part of the scene was Smithers coming in, who seems to be a bit of a shopaholic. Am I right? Oh, you think those are his packages? I don't know. He's walking with a bunch of boxes. He's spending too much money. He's got to get it under control. Yeah. Hey, he, Empty he the cart. I don't know. Smithers seems a little bit out of sorts when he walks in to see a murdered husband. 
Yeah, but and he was Veronica, very I'm with Veronica. cool about it. I'm with Veronica. Bang, bang, back to business. Yeah. <laughs> so then she goes over to Hiram, who is still in the chair, inexplicably. We all agree on this moving on. And Veronica says Thanks. she is not there to kill him. Archie is alive, and now you're just this silly cartoon. So Veronica probably explains that Chad is dead to him to ask Dr. Curdle about it, uh, and then finishes with a little buy a little B-word. Little bitch. The the amount of ice cold she is in the scene is unbelievable. Off she just killed her ex-husband, and she goes to rub it in her father's face and threatens him, calls his name, and rather than be like, yeah, Chad's dead, she's like, go down to the morgue and see his body, you little bitch. It's like, you know, I was like, cool it, Veronica. You're stressing me out. She I was thought like, this was great. I, Camilla it was Mendes great. just nailed this. It's... Uh. Like, I'm sure this is something, I think this is one of the questions if we get to them later, but, like, there's a lot of discussion about, wait, is she a villain now? What's going on? I don't think she is. This is her, like, she has been Ah! tortured. She has been tortured for, like, over a decade and, in fact, her entire life by this guy. She's finally got her power back. Maybe she's overcorrecting a little bit, but it's well-deserved. I'm surprised she didn't cap him in the knee or something, you know? Yeah. You want to know what Veronica is? She's a bows. There's no other person on the show with more power right now. 100%. Betty, Jughead, Tony Fangs, and Tabitha get ready to invade the junkyard. Jughead is the distraction. Asks old man Dreyfus to have a drink and chat inside. And he does. Again, this was very relieving to see, like, a classic Jughead laying everything out to the villains. Yeah, it was like... Hey, can I take a stab at it? What, I want to see what you think. It was, and I start. love the back and forth with Jughead sort of narrating and the discussion they're having, playing yeah. with the action. I got to give a shout out to um, Dreyfus's cartoon moonshine bottle that he has. Yeah, the three X's on it. Come on, <laughs> it was the size of a, a propane tank. It was so big. <laughs> So he reveals that he knows Dreyfus's family is the Mothman, lays out everything that happened. Uh, I did like the line, we realized you were there because you were getting your regular Thursday night order of pork chops. <laughs> wow. <laughs> always working at the diner. Yeah. yeah always playing the game. Uh, and yeah, he admits it. Dreyfus and his inbred brothers drive the lonely highway searching for women to murder. They initially did it to survive, didn't need a lot of money off of that, but ultimately became about hunting. There's a great exchange where he says nobody cared about those little girl, those girls, and Jughead says, "Oh, you are so wrong about that." Yeah, which yeah, awesome, particularly because we see everybody track them down, uh, and then we get a huge fight montage. Uh, Tony finds Britta, seemingly gets attacked. We find out later she was not actually attacked, but she screams. Jughead and Dreyfus fight. Uh, Betty gets attacked as well, and Fags just straight up steps, steps in a bear trap. <laughs> Ugh, that a would bear hurt a trap. Lot. Yeah. <laughs> that definitely broke his leg, first of all, because that's what they do. Uh, but they second were. of all, the fact that everybody's like, I'm tangling with a mothman. And he's like, oops. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I did um, like his, like, uh, you think your armor's going to hold up against a shotgun blast. And then, like, few moment as the person, like, walked away was was nice. How about the Betty flashback to the mm-hmm. trash bag killer? I thought that was uh, cool. And also setting up maybe the one of the only other mysteries we haven't really touched upon yet. Yes, definitely. It'll be very interesting to see if TBK shows up in the last two episodes. I have a suspicion or a theory that they may hold him off for season six. I think we talked about this before. but We did. And that is the five-part season opener is a full-on horror movie with the trash bag killer being at the heart of it. 
Yeah, potentially. That's that's my theory right now. But also, I could see them just wrapping it up in the next two episodes and that being fine as well. Uh, but regardless, I agree. Very cool moment. Uh, Tony turns out it was an attack. She was helped by one of the Stark Weathers, the one good yeah, Stark Weathers. Nice. Which was nice. Uh, Jughead stops Dreyfus from chewing his own tongue off. And what a finishing move they had, yeah. the Stark Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to do. I can't yes. even figure out how you do that. I don't know. I mean, don't try too hard. Okay. And then and then we get the foot stomp. The Betty foot stomp was unbelievable. She says, your hunting days are over, you sick. sick. And what do you think she was going to say at the end? Was the word she was specifically going to use after sick before she got cut off? Because I can't figure out what it is. Mm. I thought it was son of a bee. Oh. oh well, I don't think bees. So. Well, I also do. Interesting. Bees. Cheryl controls bees. Now Tony is massaging Fang's foot. It looks like the foot is on the other leg, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Fang's is really nervous about balancing everything, but Tony uh, isn't worried about it. They're going to watch each other's backs. Very sweet, nice scene here. Yeah. Archie and Veronica are straight up in a bubble bath. Very comfortable. Yeah. Where she was almost murdered, but then, you know. Now, I got to give credit where it's due. Varchi fans, and I don't know where this came from, since the beginning of the season, they picked up on something. Where they're like, oh, this season, the plot of Archie and Veronica is the plot of The Notebook. And I read everything they posted. I was like, what are you talking about? How does this track at all? And they're like, it's all going to end in them in a bubble bath. And they legit predicted this like 13 episodes ago somehow, which is insane. That so, is crazy. Kudos to them. Shouts to the Archie heads out there. Yeah, blew out, blew my mind a little bit. Hiram burns the picture of Ryan and Veronica, as we mentioned. Betty talks to Dreyfus. The FBI is coming to take away all these Stark weathers, but she just wants to know where Polly is. And he says, she's in the junkyard. I can draw you a map. And we end with a total gut punch of the scene that uh, honestly brought uh. tears to my eyes the way it was played, where Alice and Betty slow walk to the car. They open it up, and we see everything from their perspective. They see what's in the trunk. They start sobbing. They hold each other. And that's how we end the episode to the Uh point that there's not even like the Riverdale sting over the logo. It's just silence. So sad. So sad. And I honestly, I was so surprised they went this way with it. Uh, I thought it was a good choice. It it played really well. Um, And it's kudos to them for like uh, Dreyfus and the Mothman and all that, you know, are scary, but it's also a little goofy. The armor they're wearing and whatever and out of that they still were able to hit this just like huge emotional like downbeat like really i just thought it was really well done well what i think what i wanted to mention earlier on on the podcast and maybe this is taking a little too far but uh, what i took away from this moment with polly is a lot of what they've been dealing with since the time jump is the idea that things aren't as easy in your 20s or as clear in your 20s as they are in high school whether it's romantic relationship whether it's jobs whether it's mysteries or anything else you're dealing with and uh, the polly thing I spent the entire season, the longer they dragged it out, because I've watched TV before and I've read stories before, thinking, oh, you're dragging this out to make me think she's dead when she's going to turn up alive at the last second, because that's the way these stories work. And the fact that they kept it for Riverdale realistic and instead let her be dead the entire time, having died episodes back and being awfully in that trunk... It doubles down on that idea that, no, these are not the same mysteries that you solved in high school. Not that they were necessarily tied up with a bow before, but you're not going to have the best results. You're sometimes going to have the worst results. Sometimes you're not going to really solve the mystery. It's just going to be what it is. There was no mystery. 
the thing you thought happened did in fact happen. And I thought that was a remarkably subtle way of pointing to that. Well, yeah, I, I think mean, it's a great there summation. was a mystery. They had to figure out it was old man Dreyfus. Yes. But, you know. Yeah. But I'm saying side by side with that. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. a real gut punch that ties into a lot of the bigger themes of the season. So while we have time, why don't we grab a couple of these comments and questions here about well, the I just episode? Wanted to, yes, I, Pete, I, I thought it was very interesting because we had these like two stories where we had Jughead and Betty and then we had kind of the mind thing going. And I kept worrying that people were going to call Betty and Jughead about the mine and they would be kind of taken out of their case. So I'm glad. And there was even a time where they were like, oh, I got to get this phone call. And I was like, oh, because I really didn't want Betty and Jughead to be kind of pulled away for, you know, especially if they thought Archie was dead. Like my mind was spiraling like, oh, God, if Betty thinks Archie is dead and then like maybe she'll start, you know, freaking out or whatever. Uh, But I was just so happy that they kind of kept them uh, separately, but the way they had the kind of episode, kind of you know, all over the place like that, was very cool and very interesting. Yeah, really, like we were saying earlier, really well done in terms of crossing everything over and keeping it consistent in terms of the plot. Getting the idea that even if a character was not in a plot line, there were other things happening at the same time in town, and they all know about it and are keeping in touch. So, a couple of viewer comments and questions here. First one, this is from Phallus Sushi on Instagram. Why was this episode so perfect? Like, even all Cheryl's craziness made sense, and everything was just perfect, well, except the fact that Alice is always crying. Yes, 100% agree with that. That is so sad. And I'm very nervous about next week's episode, which is just digging into Alice, apparently, and showing her fantasy, musical fantasy world where she pictures the perfect uh, Cooper family. So that's going to be. Oh, man. That's going to be rough. This is Fuller, dude. What the fuck? Shameless. uh, In the synopsis, it's the description. Uh, Shameless30SRVD on Twitter says, I wrote an entire thread about this because there's so much to say, but I'm convinced that we're going to have Veronica as our next villain. My bet she loses everything. Archie, her marriage, her innocence by end of season and snaps. What do you guys think about that? That could be very interesting. Like, you know, because if Hiram you know, tries to get some vengeance on her and and does some things. That could be very interesting because there has been this kind of like, she kind of clicks into these modes very easily that are very Hiram-like. So uh, that could be very crazy and very, very interesting moving forward. I don't think she'll be a full-on villain. It's not like it's going to be a one-for-one. She replaces um, the silly little cloud Hiram. Uh, next next season or at the end of the season. But I do think the idea that she's going to lose Archie does make a lot of sense uh, because they got back together just right away. There was no no big reunion. It was truly like she threw the divorce papers at Archie and then they had sex and then they're basically together. It feels like that feels fast unless it's meant to be something that you need to accomplish because you're going to then uh, change it or move away from it. Somehow. Dude, it's so, Riverdale. What do you mean seems fast? Go fuck yourself. No, but <laughs> <laughs> everything is fast. But they also like the emotional moments they take their time with, I think. Um, like, I don't know. Let's see if I can think of a couple. Like the Betty and when Betty and Archie got together, I feel like that mm. was a real emotional. No, uh, no, no, it was the origin oh, of love. Right, before we get to in song. the weeds on this, Casey Kendall, uh, KK23. Casey Nope. Uh, on Instagram says, you can tell Fangs needs Kevin. They both need each other. Fangs needs to tell Kevin what he told Tony. What do you think? Uh, Is Kevin and Fangs over? Is that ever going to come back? No? It's going to come back, you think? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm starting to think 
like the Fangs Tony relationship, and it's not a obviously a sexual relationship, but it feels like that's sort of the home for those characters uh, mm-hmm. on the show based on this episode. And it does feel like once again, Kevin is a little bit out on his own and doesn't have a spot. But I don't he can know. Find if, his way back home. A hundred percent. And I'm not saying it won't happen. But right now, it just just my gut. It feels like Kevin is not a part of that, and Kevin needs to find a, again a new home or a new path. Well, he just you know went out of Cheryl's crazy church, so maybe you know he'll he'll wander back in and you know seek some shelter. This is from yeah. Tr Zuniga on Instagram. Justin, I'm talking to you. Why does Vargie still active? Please, Cheryl, save us with your prayers. Ha 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 ha. Uh, this <laughs> also ties into Walking Date on Twitter. Says, is there any way for back to Barchi from here? I mean, I just, uh, I just sort of said what my take is. Like, I think we get Varchi because. <coughs> sorry, I'm choked up because I'm so emotional about this. Um, because with, to get Varchi, you have to deal with Varchi. You have to go through Varchi to get Varchi, and we're in Varchi now, so that means we're one step closer to Varchi. Nope. And I think, as we saw in this episode, Bughead, while a great uh, Alex's like love letter to Bughead as a working duo, great. But like a lot of coworkers, you're not having sex with them. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but I think that's the way it's going to be. And it could bloom into something. True, Spending but a lot, a lot of time, of time with, together. What's more romantic than talking about murder cases? Come on. Well, let me ask you of, this then. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but uh, Roberto Garascasa did say that Betty and Archie's relationship is going to deepen by the end of the season. So how, given that yeah. we have two episodes left? Do we go from Varchi is clickbait. as Don't together? Hold on, Varchi is <laughs> as together as they've ever been. To Barchi, Betty and Archie's relationship deepen. If we were to take that in a romantic sense, how do you get one from one place to the other? Because I think Betty's coming with Polly. Finding Polly's body is sort of the end of her like dark journey that they that she and Archie talked about. So. She's going to need Archie to come sort of pull her out of that, I think. And the, the depth of their relationship will be through that. Archie, Archie needs to save Betty to save Riverdale. And so nope. I think he's going to, to do both of those things. Hearsay, this whether, is wild whether or not, bullshit. Whether or not they get together at the end of the season, I've, I feel like I've speculated about this before. But I think they're going to be in a position to be together if they're not. Or maybe we will get the full split of... You're giving Archie a lot of credit, bro. That's me. That's the way I am. A couple of other quick ones here before we wrap up. This is from Kaya Ellery, Sassy Shopper on Instagram. Just so glad show got back to how it used to be with a bughead investigation. It's all we've needed. And my husband said, wow, these scenes with bughead make the show. I can watch it again and be excited. (laughs) Well, first off, husband, like, you know, you know, you know, get involved. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, the magic of them just getting back together and even Tabitha, who doesn't, you know, knows just little bits and pieces of it was, had the uh, outside mind enough to be like, if we need things solved, we need the two masterminds to work together. And again, and to bring like, uh, when I'm working on a, like a, a home improvement project, I always get my hammer and my saw. And uh, I use them, and they're great at solving the mystery of how I can fix this. Uh, yeah, but door. when you're not around, they get it all. They're fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. When I put my tools away, they're in there, straight up humping each other. That's right. 
All right. I know we're going to have to wrap up soon, but I do want to touch on two more things real quick. Uh, This one, I'm going to just read the end of Deborah Barros on Twitter. It was a very long, nice question, Uh, but there's been a lot of speculation about this. Ask, can we have an AU alternate universe celebrating chapter 100? Come on. Chapter 100 is always more special. If my count is correct, the 100th episode of Riverdale is going to be the fifth episode of this five-episode event. There's been a lot of back and forth with speculation about whether season six's event is going to be some sort of alternate universe, non-canon or otherwise. Um, what do you think? We've talked about this a little bit before, but Pete, what's your take? Uh, well, what the fuck are you talking about? You just said like a, a bunch of different stuff and they were like, Pete, what do you think? Like 100th episode of what and what? Of Riverdale. What are you no, talking I know, about? I know that part, but you're like, oh, the old 100 episode trick. Every time there's a 100 episode, they do this thing. And I'm, I'm waiting for you to explain what that thing is. OK, so <laughs> I was trying to keep this short and quick. Well, but I'll- I'm sorry that I don't follow your fucking shit. All right. Jesus Christ, don't ask me half a question. So the, the the new season starts with a five episode event and the last episode of that event is going to be the hundredth episode. So of course that it will be a special episode. But I guess the question is uh, how special and what sort of special are you hoping? Right. Well, there thank was- you, Justin. Thank you for speaking English. The I other follow- part of it, though, is there was an interview that went up where it was called out that they've internally been calling these five episodes River Vale. And they are full on a hard. Because a lot of skiing. There's a lot of skiing. Yep, Rivervale, like Colorado. Vale. Yeah. No, yeah. I think the reference is Welcome to Night Vale, the podcast. So it's going to get even weirder and darker and more upsetting than usual. I what? personally don't think it's going to be an alternate universe is my take. I think it's going to be the same universe. But I do think there's a lot of talk about maybe we're going to see life with Archie or some sort of riff there. So there could be imaginary sequences. But, uh, no, life with Archie where you got to see him married to Betty and married to Veronica and so what their life was like. So I think we could see some touches of that there potentially, but I still think they'll keep it in continuity is my guess. It seems to me like a veil when somebody dies. So maybe like if a a main character like Hiram or something dies, that sends some characters kind of spinning off and maybe one of those being Veronica and maybe this alternate world is just like Veronica goes fucking, you know, real Real, yeah, she goes real dark, really kind of turns into her father for a little while. And, uh, you know, and maybe that's um, uh, the kind of veil of it all. Maybe. I guess we'll see. Uh, last one here real quick. Leonza on Twitter says, if Chick is the true hero of oh, Riverdale, yes. what is Nana Blossom, the true villain? Ooh, mm. interesting. No, um, Chick is not worth mentioning. And uh, Nana, I, I just love the way she spills the beans when she kind of lightly was had her foot uh, put over the fire there by Betty. And uh, it was it's yeah. amazing how somebody who like lives in the walls and is barely shown knows all of the answers. Betty yells at her once and she spills every bean she's got in her old body. <laughs> yeah, I think Nana Rose is the Statue of Liberty of Riverdale. She's just uh, standing in the harbor holding a torch. And screaming, this sounds fucked up. <laughs> also, what's real fucked up is the way they kind of talked about Cousin Timothy. And, uh, you know, they body shamed him. And that that was not cool, man. That was really fucked up. I couldn't agree with more you more. That was my big takeaway from the episode as well, is they body shamed Cousin Timothy. Yeah. Yep. Real quick, who was the MVP of this episode? Pete. Come on. 
Betty got to fucking stomp on some heads. This was unbelievable, Betty Up. It was nice to see Jughead and Betty back to being themselves a little bit, kicking ass, taking names. It was glorious. Let's just keep keep the fun train moving, and then you know this will turn into a little romance, and then and then the show's back right where it needs to be. Uh, low key, this was a Doctor Curdle episode, but high key, <laughs> this is uh, a Veronica episode all day, air day. Like she crushed every scene she was in. She truly had season uh, like ending monologues, multiple season ending monologues in here. So like. Definitely Veronica episode. Yeah, I'm 100% on the same page as you, Justin, there. I was going to call out Dr. Curdle, but Veronica killed it. Just to shout out somebody else, I, I think Cheryl just had some crazy scenes, but the She's work that Madeline Betch did in those cave scenes when she was praying, man, there was just like cool. an insane intensity there. It was really, really the impressive. The shot of all these people kind of like working and then Cheryl just sitting there on her pillow. And I just want to give one last shout out again to Natalie Bolt for being in the episode of Penelope Blossom, but also directing the hell out of this episode. And I believe this was the first episode of television she's directed that she killed Killed it. it. This is a great episode of Riverdale. So that's awesome. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Riverdale. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you after dark. And for Little Bitch, Bughead Bitch, and Bargy Bitch, we are signing off. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. <laughs>